Okay, so here's my little sandwich question. Okay, here it is. Your position title is what? Worship arts coordinator. So, if then... <laughs> worship. You already see where I'm going with this. Or like worship pastors, worship arts coordinators. But should it be a worship pastor then? Or should it be called something else? Like sh- the traditional church, I think Presbyterian Church, we called it the music director, right? Is that more apropos than <laughs> a worship pastor? Yeah, I, I've, um, I think... Just like worship is unique to every church, the worship leading position is unique to every right. church, and that's okay. Right. Like, I don't think there's one certain way that a worship leader should be. Um, I think it it should be whatever the church needs, and every church mm. has different needs. Yeah. And so that's Maybe short answer. answer as fun as I uh, okay, long so, answer. Okay, yeah, <laughs> long, long answer. Like, I've been... <laughs> Um, I did a, a practicum or like kind of like a short internship at a church that had a music director and a worship leader. Um, and they worked together and they had very different roles, um, but came together to create the Sunday experience as well as building up other leaders. Um, so I think uh, for me, like I got to pick my title of worship arts coordinator and I spent a long time kind of thinking about um what language best uh conveyed um what I was doing because I in a traditional sense I'm not when you hear worship leader I don't look like what you would probably have pop in your head I'm not out front and I'm not singing um 99.9% of the times I'm in the back, but I'm still leading. Um, What's more important to me is that I am equipping other people to lead. Um, My favorite catchphrase for what I do is setting people up for success. Um, And so my job throughout the week is to make sure that whoever is leading a song has everything that they need to be comfortable and be free. Um, and there are times where I'm making some of those decisions like, okay, we're going to keep going with this moment or, Hey, we need to kind of wrap this up and move to the next song. Um, but a lot of times my goal is to equip, you know, certain individuals to be able to lead in those moments, coordinating all the elements that, that go into, um, music worship on a Sunday morning. Um, as well as some of the other elements of service, because I do kind of help put together the flow of a service. I'm not creating every single component, but I'm definitely thinking a lot about transitions. And so, and I'm organizing volunteers. So to me, like coordinator was more yeah. appropriate for <laughs> like... You're like the modern day Levitical priest. <laughs> <laughs> not too far off i mean let's the little vocal priests they would set the day of worship right they would lead people in it and sometimes that looked like hanging back and they're gonna they were equipping other priests to do i mean hannah you are the modern day levitical priest wow that's fantastic i love that hallelujah wow (laughs) um but yeah and i think like part of what i do is pastoring i like to think of it more like discipling than pastoring um personally um but i think what's important is that 
I don't know. I think everyone, when it comes to the discipling element of what I do, I think everyone should be doing that. I don't think it's unique to my job position. I think everyone, if you're in, no matter what type of workplace environment that you're in, or if you're a stay-at-home parent, um, your vision should be set on how can I improve my relationship with God um, and then how can I lead others to do the same Um, how can I pour into other people with similar passions as me um, and together center us on a lifestyle of worship submitting ourselves humbling ourselves before God and his will Um, and so I think everybody should do that yeah I think that that's you made two points when I think are, are really important one being what we do here I think oftentimes is then separated saying, well, that's their job to do that. And I've just read a book, Art of Pastoring by David Hansen, and he talks about a really good, a really important aspect of pastoring, which, and the reason why so many pastors struggle with what they do is because we are living out what we as Christians are supposed to be doing, and we are essentially getting paid to do it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that we're supposed to be modeling and exemplifying how that's done to those in our local church, in the context of our community. And they're supposed to be doing the same things. Obviously we plan some events. We, you know, not everyone's going to be structuring a worship service. Not everyone's going to be preaching a sermon, but the core components of what we do, we're modeling what everyone else also should be doing. And so I think that's an incredibly important component to make because what we do is not separate from what you all as believers listening to this are supposed to be doing too. Um, You guys can organize events in your neighborhood. You guys can uh, disciple another single parent who is just become a single parent and you've been a single parent for eight years. And let me show you some of the ropes. Let me teach you how I've done this. And let me teach you how I've made God supreme still in my life in the midst of this. Um, you, You can disciple people at your workplace, walk them along. You can lead people to salvation I think that that's the important aspect is that God has equipped, Jesus has given us the authority, the Holy Spirit has given us the power, and it's in the Father's will and plan for each of us to be doing those things. And I think that that is such an important point to be making. Two, I so commonly call you the worship arts pastor to so many people. One, I apologize. Two, at the same time, not really sorry, because if you don't know Hannah Bowen, this she freaking... she. <laughs> She is like an example of what it looks like to disciple, to mentor, and to raise up. And she's shaking her head no. You can't see her shaking her head no. But do not believe her lies. Um, she's a very modest person. But if this was a video, you guys could drop some clapping emojis or something like that. Um, if you guys were a part of the Easter stuff, seriously, like it, it's just incredible to, one, be a pure peer, two, to be looking up to you in certain areas and saying, this is what I want to model in my own life, my own ministry. I, I think really how you disciple people and how you raise up people within your ministry and the people that you come in contact with and you don't try to do it with every single person that steps in the foot, but you just say, God, you've placed these people in my life and you trust that and you disciple them and you equip them and you raise them up. I, I think that that is more than admirable. That's an example um, that people need to be following. So that's just a moment of pause because I think that if people don't know it, they need to know it. And that's not to boost your pride or anything like that. I think that's just to say we we as humans need examples, right? We look to Jesus for our for the example. 
And yet there are people that we come in contact with, whether they're mentors, whether they're people that we look just look up to in general, like parents or bosses or things like that, that we want to model and exemplify our life after. And God places those people in our life on purpose. Um, so if you need an example, not for everything, because we're all imperfect. I'm not saying Hannah's perfect. I'm just saying for an example of some of those things, like Hannah has done such a good job with that. So <laughs> a little a little clap. Um, a big clap. Sorry, not a little clap. No. A little clap. <laughs> I will give like a a shout out though that this it's not natural for me and it's not easy for me. Like I think that's incredibly important that like if I can do this, then anyone can. Um, if you are afraid to step out in a mentorship position, because I'm 23, I don't know anything. I'm a child. Um, but I, again, knew that I am in this position for a reason uh, and I'm just going to step into it however I can and find time and time again that God is always right. Um, <laughs> and so um, we just encourage you to not wait until you feel like you know enough, but just to dive in, be honest with the people you're discipling and say, okay, I don't have this all figured out. Let's just talk about it. And I think it's incredible how much you'll learn about God from teaching God to others. Um, that strikes me time and time again, how much I feel like I either reinforce in my own heart and mind or that I learn from having the responsibility of pouring into someone else, um, that just how important that is. So we'll give that encouragement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the spiritual unknowing. I think I've been hearing that word a lot lately of just the spiritual unknowing creates a dependency on God to know him more. Mm. And I think that that really is something we have to rest in and not feel inadequate, but it's something that we rejoice in because it's going to push us deeper to him. It's going to push us closer to him. And I think that that's a really important attribute to make. Okay, so let's talk about what you've been wanting to talk about, which is worship as it relates to singing. What makes you so excited to talk about worship and singing and what should get us amped up about worship and singing? I think, first of all, the it is for everyone, not just people who are good at singing or like singing. I love looking at the science of things. I think it's really cool to see the way that um, our bodies in the world around us always point to God's goodness. So when we're, we're called to worship him and we see that that is done through singing, heck Jesus sang, so <laughs> you should too. Um, <laughs> but just chemically, um, that when you sing, you're releasing endorphins that make you happy. Like it's, it's triggering that reward pleasure center of your brain also releases um, oxytocin to uh, get that not only decreased anxiety and stress that comes with that, um, but it's really cool the way that our body builds trust when that chemical is released. And so when you're singing in a worship setting, in a corporate worship setting with other believers, you are at your most vulnerable um, praising God and your brain is literally reinforcing that you are safe and connected. And that's, that's just incredible. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that's, that's what biologically is happening when you do that. Um, you are 
using both sides of your brain. That's why music is is so cool because you're you have the logical side of of the words you're singing, but by putting that to melody, uh, a lot of times if you're studying how to to memorize things or remember things better, putting them to song um, is better for your brain because it's using both hemispheres. It's creating these new neural pathways. It's making it easier for you to think about God and to remember God. And all that um, in conjunction just brings such a, a connection and vulnerability um, and emotions that are good and, and healthy and not creating an emotion that isn't there, but emphasizing what is on our hearts and, and having that moment together um, as well as in a personal time of worship is so, so special. So that's my it's my like two minute rant. <laughs> no, it's, I think it's awesome. Do you think then just off the top of your head that the reason that stigma is there is because singing is the most practical way to worship? Cause I feel like you're saying in all these things, God, the designer of our body designed us specifically with a ton of different things in mind, that being one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, do you just feel like maybe that's just because they've just, those two ideas have become so synonymous because of how practical singing leads to this posture of our heart? Yeah, I think that, and honestly, because there's nothing else like it, I don't know, worship in any of its other forms in, in teaching, that's something we see a lot. We, you know, for those who went to school or even at a university level are used to that, like, lecture someone getting up and and talking and even in a workplace environment you're at a meeting and someone is instructing you in the way you should go we're used to that but but singing as a a body of individuals is just unlike anything else um it's poetry and scripture and there's tradition. Um, I'm also really passionate about like tradition and church history and how that has a lot of value. Um, and that there are things we don't just do them because we've done them for a long time, but there is, um, just significance and and power in knowing the generations who have sung these same words, who have felt these same things before us and together with us, spanning across time and space and also because we see time and time again throughout scripture um the the response of singing from angels in revelation to old testament patriarchs and um new testament um new believers uh singing i think that there is a significance that's it's hard because it's literally like indefinable it just kind of goes beyond anything that really makes sense um and I am a very emotional person and I love poetry and poeticism so I can sometimes get like caught up in that side of things and I think there are times where we do need to check the emotional side of what's happening I think you kind of you just finished with a little thing I wanted to touch on which is the other side of this that can be extremely dangerous when it comes to not just um, responding with just emotions, as we've said, like as we see in the Psalms, like sometimes David is just so filled with 
raw emotion that the only thing he can respond with is raw emotion. Mm-hmm. And I, so I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to diss that. I'm, I guess I'm thinking more of, I watched a, I don't know where I saw it. Maybe it was in a Christian studies class or something, but there was this comedian who was essentially making fun of Christian music. And, um, and what he was doing though, was he just started repeating this phrase. Um, then they had like this, this slow, typical Christian music that started to build up. And then he said, okay, everyone put your hands up and everyone put their hands up. And everyone was like, essentially mimicking, right. The Christian, what, what, what Christians do in worship, except I think he was unintentionally proving he was trying to mock it, but I think what it does for us is it warns us, right? Because I think that that starts to stem into, I guess, where is the line with that, if there is one? But then, two, how cautious should we be when it comes to worshiping, singing uh, as a specific form of worship to to certain um, songs? Uh, we could get into the whole question of, you know, can we take a secular song on worship to it? But, you know, let's side table that one, for instance. But let's just let's just focus on, I guess, just more of like Christian artists with. I don't want to say bad theology because theology is theory, right? So it's it's not necessarily like we're not saying that we're better, we're right or anything like that. I'm not I do not want to call any specific people at all. I just I think I just want to address the dangerous side of of worship as singing and then how we should look at certain songs and the theology that's in those songs Mm -hmm. absolutely this is something um like one of the first things i teach whenever i get an intern (laughs) um is uh lyricism um and something i do is i create two worship sets and just give them the lyrics and ask them to uh point out what's good and what's bad um, and my, my biggest test is, uh, one of the sets, um, and I use it every time, uh, it has three worship songs and I won't say what they are cause I don't think that's really important. I don't want to make anyone feel bad for worshiping to a specific song cause right. I don't think that's healthy. Um, but three of the songs that I put on that list, um, never mention God. Mm. They're worship songs. And they they read like worship songs because we're used to the the phraseology, but they never explicitly state that it is about God. Um, and so you can create an entire worship set that never mentions the name of God right. or points to that what you're talking about or who you're talking about. Um, and I think that you know hopefully you have a, a worship leader who is checking those things, but I think as just an everyday believer, you you want to be aware of, of what you're singing and what you're reinforcing. Um, when we're called to worship, we're called to worship in spirit and in truth. Um, and that truth has to come from an accountability of knowing who God is. Otherwise our worship is going to be false. Um, and a lot of times false worship happens with really good intentions, uh, which is, is difficult. There are some, great worship songs that can make us feel good but at the end of the day when you look at the lyrics it's just not full of truth and it's not magnifying god it's magnifying an emotion um i'm always cautious of of balancing and making sure that the songs we're singing aren't too focused on ourselves there's a lot of great worship songs that that tell us um who we are 
we're doing one this Sunday that I absolutely love called Nothing Else um, by Cody Carnes. And, and the refrain is, I'm sorry when I come with my agenda. And right. it's a lot of I language. Um, but as a worship leader, I'm making sure we're also singing a song called You Came um, that is all about what Christ did um, and that pointing to God's character. So I think balance is good, you know, knowing what you're singing. Uh, as a worship leader, I'm, I try to be super picky with it. There are a lot of worship songs that I love that we'll probably never do on a Sunday morning because I have prayed about it and I just don't feel good about it. And it's great for my personal time of worship. Um, and there are songs for you that you may love that are great for your personal time of worship that just don't work in a corporate setting. They might be hard for everyone to sing along to, um, so just kind of throwing <laughs> that no, I, out there. That... I, I think that's all good. And I think that that's, I, I've heard it, you know, when, I don't know if, I, I don't know if every believer goes through this phase, but I went through that phase where, I mean, I wasn't even worshiping on a Sunday morning because I was just so focused on, okay, what am I singing and is what I'm singing okay? Mm -hmm. I remember being so nitpicky at times where then I was kind of missing the whole point of what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's that balance again of, okay, well, we, we need to be cautious, but at the same time, just because it said I three times doesn't necessarily mean that it's a negative quote unquote I, right? And I think that I have fallen into that trap many times. Um, I also think there's another thing that I kind of want to, and I think we've had this conversation before and you kind of corrected me on it because I was just saying like, man, I wish like, I wish people wrote it like the hymns, you know what I mean? How rich that is. Like I was just, I kind of looked at this um, uh, hymn, the praise to the Lord, the Almighty is one of my favorite, my parents favorites and praise to the lord the almighty the king of creation oh my soul praise him for he is thy health and salvation all you here now to his temple draw near sing now in glad adoration and it's like oh man it's so rich and there's something like that but then it's like oh there is a lot of extremely rich uh you've i think we've done this one a decent bit build my life um worthy of every song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring worthy of every breath we could ever breathe jesus the name above our name etc etc et it's like there are still these extremely rich songs that have great theology that focus on God that still draw us into it so we feel like we are, are a part of that song because I know growing up every hymn that we sung no I honestly feel like I didn't connect with hymns until I was like 16 or 17 because I was just like one the language right the thighs the halves all that stuff but yeah. two it was just like I didn't see myself in those songs I mean I can declare who God is all I want um, absolutely. And those are necessary things for us to do. I think it's also important for us to be able to see ourselves in the midst of that worship of how me, Nathan, how I'm supposed to worship. And I felt like that wasn't teaching me how I, Nathan, should worship with how God has created me, if that makes sense. And I feel like that's been one of my biggest struggles with worship that maybe you can speak to. The importance of being able to see yourself in the song, not necessarily to in a selfish way, if that makes sense, but in a way of like, I want to know how... I worship God in a different way than you'll worship God, right? Even some songs that we sing, like I'm just kind of sitting there, I'm like, this is a great song, but I don't necessarily connect, maybe connect is the right word. But I want, like, what's the balance with that? Because I know at times that can be so unhealthy because I'm not, I'm not checking out, but maybe there are people who are checking out. But usually when I don't connect with a song, I'm like, okay, can we get to the next one? Because I want to be able to connect with this so I can quote unquote worship. Mm. But I don't think that that's, correct but maybe speak i don't know if that's necessarily yeah, a question yeah but. you kind of talked about how you 
wish him or modern day worship songs could be modeled more like hymns with that that rich theology and really deep poeticism um whereas a lot of worship music today has a lot of um simple language and repetition those are kind of two markers of lyricism today and i think we're seeing shifts away from that like you know music is ever evolving and i think that current um repetition style comes from how music is has been taught over the years we've kind of come from this call and response type of teaching a song where you would sing worship leader would sing one line congregation would sing it back we don't have that anymore so we repeat it until you can catch along and be able to sing out that's honestly like why we're repeating this is for you um in the corporate body to be able to confidently sing it out that worship moment where we're all singing together uh even when you don't see yourself in that song, in that situation, um, you're supporting the person beside you who does. Um, and so, um, when we're singing, um, the, the father's house, um, that's a song that I feel weird saying it. It's like not my favorite. It's not that I don't like it. It's just not one of my favorites. That's a worship song. I maybe don't connect to personally the way I connect to it is thinking about others. Yeah. Um, the The chorus of the song um, is lay your burdens down. You're in the Father's house. Check your shame at the door because it's not welcome anymore. Um, you're in the Father's house. Um, and to me, uh, I don't picture myself, even though there was a time where I, I would have, um, but I, I picture those who are in church for maybe the second time of their lives and to be told that your shame isn't welcome here anymore in a context where they were coming in absolutely floored with fear of the criticism they would receive to then come in and be told that your shame doesn't have a place here like is incredible and for me to to sing out in support of that that truth is doing something incredible for the person beside me no, I think that I think that should shift. That changes my perspective for sure. And I know we've had these some of these conversations, and you've definitely corrected me on some of that. And I appreciate that because I think that is unhealthy thinking in times. I think also that might be why now, coming from now the background of studying church history and being intrigued by it now, of then when we sing hymns, like I just can't not cry whenever a hymn is sung, right? And it's part partly because of the words, yes, and partly because it does for me now bring out this. Um, even if I'm not ready to say a certain attribute of God, it brings that truth so sharply into my life to where I can't avoid it. And then three, though, it's also like I'm imagining that corporate sense of I'm worshiping, worshiping with generations of believers. I think for me, that just brings out such an emotional response. So do you think that, let's say in 200 years, when if people say, like, are these going to be the hymns of 200 <laughs> years? If we're still here in 200 years, but like, do you think that these would be the hymns in 200 oh, yeah. years? I think... I think and which one would some... be the number? Like, which one would be great as thy faithfulness of two hundred years future? <laughs> uh, I don't want to. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to touch that one. Uh, oceans. Um, <laughs> no. um, but... oh, what's that? What's that? Um, so will I. Ten thousand. No. So so will I. Yeah. So will ten, I. Um, ten billion times. Ten billion times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a great song. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's good that music evolves and change but i think there is just something wonderful in like comfort and 
and the known and the familiar. I remember we did a throwback night of worship, which we will definitely do again because it was so much fun. But we did songs that were popular like 10, 20 years ago that we don't do as much now, but are still just as relevant. That's the thing, like songs that are are written in truth are always relevant. Like they're never going to get old. Um, I think sometimes songs need a bit of a break. Um <laughs> to get over them shout out to austin barrett who's had king of my heart as his number one for three years like my goodness um are you serious (laughs) yeah it finally came off his number one (laughs) (laughs) it's a great song but for three years years. wow oh so you know i'm gonna look at my number one (laughs) (laughs) oh but i think i think it's good to to have new music i remember um uh a friend of mine and Sherry, if you're listening to this, sorry to call you out. Um, but a friend of mine was talking about her conversation with um, Sherry yeah. McDonough um, and how Sherry was saying that she loves the worship music, but people need to get that like it's okay to sing new worship songs and she'll get her hymn fix at home. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just made me Sherry. so happy. Because, <laughs> you know, there's balance. You're not supposed to find everything that you need on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. So if you're walking away from a Sunday morning going, you know, well, I wish we would have talked a little bit more about the history of the destruction of the temple. Go look it up yourself. <laughs> like, if you want to know, don't wait for someone else to right. tell you about it. If you're like, right. oh, I really wish we would have done Oceans today. Well, do we, I, Go I worship. Learn put how together to play a, piano. Yeah, put together a worship <laughs> night, put on a, a karaoke <laughs> version, and, and sing it with some friends. It's okay. It's good. Yeah. So It comes back to those boxes again, right? Like, I really do think, like, we put it in those boxes of, like, I can only have that worship emotive experience if I'm there with the lights dimmed and a full band, and it has to be live. Um like that could be a muscle to work of just maybe work on worshiping two songs still in the form of song uh, in your private devotional or in your car ride. Like don't just listen to music and sing along for the enjoyment of a good song, but put something on and genuinely focus on the attributes of God. And I think I'm just having this realization. Worship in the form of songs, the way that it you we have, you can look back on church history and see how it's, changed quote unquote with the times and yet the message has stayed the same and i think it goes back it's it's a it's almost a i don't want to say metaphor it's an example of how the function of the church will always stay the same but the form of the church will shift and we as christians are to be aware of that and move with that shift uh, as god directs that shift and i think that when we get stuck on a form just because it's the way we've done things, it's not the form that is what worship got. It's the function behind it, right? It's what the words are saying that's important. As long as the words are still saying who God is and teaching us how we can, what you've said, what we've kind of now been a theme of just how we can exhale. As long as it's teaching us in the middle of that song to inhale and exhale, both who God is and then exalting him, no matter the avenue that that is being done, it's bringing glory to God's name. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the hard part for us because we're creatures of habit. 
and we like things done the way we like things done, me included. Um, I think that once we start to recognize it's more, it's all about function. The form will take different forms. I love the story. Whenever I get to preach on this, it will be a great day because I don't want to force it. But whenever this just comes up in an expositorial sermon, there's a moment in Israel when they're in the wilderness and it's when snakes start coming and biting people and then God tells him to build a snake thing, put it on top of a pole. And if people look on it, then they'll be healed from their snake bites. And it's this act of faith. And it's the function is that it's an act of faith to then trust God to heal them. The form is in the form of this random bronze snake. But if you fast forward 400 years, there has now been this whole tribe of people that now have made that snake their God because the form never changed Mm -hmm. and they mistook form for function. And I think that that's what we can do. I think that's why worship is so powerful because this, how we can look back even the past hundred years and see how we have changed what the way in which we're singing Mm -hmm. is a metaphor for how the church changes. And it's not a bad thing that the church changes. It's a good thing. It means that we're growing. It's a movement that grows and shifts to the people that are in it. But the function of the church stays the same, always about making disciples, all about the Trinity, all about the fullness uh, of Jesus's humanity and godness. It's all of these things that we're sticking to and running with, and yet the form will change. And I think that that's an amazing picture that worship gives to us. Yeah. A little uh, church history, um, which is also something I get really excited about, Um, just kind of want to share the first century Roman order of service. Like this is what every first century Roman church, this was the structure of their worship service. Um, You had the shofar, which was big horn, and that was your call to worship. Um, That was the signal for people that, hey, worship is starting. Our five-minute pre-service video. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You have um, the Kyrie, uh, which means Lord have mercy, um, from Chronicles 16, 34, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Um, that again, what worship is all about is that humbling before God, our recognition. I have it tattooed on my body because I'm so <laughs> passionate about my place in the order of things that, that I am in daily need of God's mercy. It's humbling. Um, the Gloria, glory to God, um, in the highest, um, again, that's, that exhale, you know, giving that praise to God, the credo, um, which is the, I believe statements, um, that reflection of, of where our hearts are, uh, the sanctus, which means holy. It's that moment of reverence, the agnus Dei, lamb of God. That's the reflection on Christ's sacrifice. Um, uh, what he's done for us, the, the crux of our salvation and the ite misa est, the dismissal, the benediction the sending out. Um, and every single one of those elements are in our worship today, right. every single Sunday that hasn't changed. And yet if you're to put the worship from hope fellowship on August 11th, 2021 next to Rome <laughs> 900, <laughs> um, like vastly different, but all those elements are still there because it's the the components of our worship. It's the humbling, the remembering, uh, the reflection, the 
praise, the exhale, the magnification of who God is, um, not trying to create something new, but just I get, like, I love the word magnify. It's hard to think of anything, anything better than that. It's just making plain what is already true. I think it's perfect. You know I mean? I think, and I think that that's a great reminder for all of us in, in this culture, in this area that all of those things that you were saying, none of those necessarily are they're they're important for that reflecting, meditating, and magnifying. Mm-hmm. But if we don't know what we're magnifying, if we don't know what we're reflecting, mm-hmm. and that takes ownership on our part, right? Like what you're saying, like look, like look, look it up yourself. Like yep. it sounds kind of harsh, <laughs> but at the same time, it's like we're all a family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, <laughs> and I would tell my sisters some very hard truths at time, <laughs> yeah. and they have told me some very hard truths at time, and. We're a body of believers. We're brothers and sisters. We're supposed to be up in each other's business, holding each other accountable, making sure that we're all following Christ, magnifying his name, learning about who he is, because this is what we're called to do. Like this is, this is our life now. Like our life is following him, exalting him, learning more about him so that we can exalt him more and magnify him more. And yeah, I think that this has been already an eye opening conversation for me. Um, just, just how much worship is involved in every aspect of my life and has to be involved in every single aspect of my life. If I am to be truly healthily following Christ crucified, worship will be an integral part of my relationship with him. Thank you guys so much uh, for joining us uh, throughout this conversation on worship. Uh, I get super excited about it and would love it if any one of you would reach out with any <laughs> questions or comments or, or thoughts on the subject. I absolutely love talking and learning about this. Um, I'm constantly finding new ways of understanding this topic. So even if you have a different opinion, I would love to hear it uh, and love to get your feedback. So if you're part of our Hope family, though, uh, I do expect to see you singing uh, bright and early Sunday morning. Yeah. Thank you guys so much uh, just for listening. If you guys want to share this, you could share it. Um, We hope you guys are still enjoying our conversations. um, And don't forget to send any questions or topics that you would want covered potentially for us. My email is Nathan at Hope and Anderson. And I'm Hannah at Hope and Anderson. And we will see you next week.